Well, good morning, Applewood family. <clears throat> You're jealous of my t-shirt, aren't you? Yeah. I am uh, so delighted. Thankful to uh, Justin and the youth. The, uh, the slogan down here at the bottom says, Not the artist. I am the canvas. How cool is that? That sounds like a slogan for disciple of Jesus. You know, I don't get to paint my own life, but I'm surrendered to his artistic work and creating the canvas of my life that brings him great glory. So, go youth. I love it. Discipleship. Let's begin with a little quiz this morning, shall we? going to show you uh, five or six pictures of church buildings. I want you to study them and, and look for what each one has in common. You ready? Don, let's roll number one. Are you looking? Okay. Number two. Number three. Number four. Five. Six. All right. Thanks, Don. What did you see? Say again? <laughs> yes! Did anybody else think that? Of course you did, because you're all A students. They are just buildings. Now, contrary to what you might be thinking about this point, I, I'm done with chemo. The infusion was over three weeks ago, and my brain is working, I think, fairly clearly. We, uh, we don't often refer to, or I should say, don't we often refer to the building as the church? But they're all just made of building materials, and they are a structure. Did you know, of course you know this, First time the word church is used in the New Testament, because it's a New Testament word, it was used by Jesus. You remember the conversation he was having with his followers? So, so who do people say that I am? The disciples answered, well, some say that you're John the Baptist. Some think that, that you are uh, Jeremiah or Elijah or one of the other prophets. And Jesus said, well, how about you? Who do you? Say that I am. And Peter, of course, speaks out the right answer. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And you remember Jesus said, Simon, you are blessed. My Father in heaven has revealed this truth to you. And then he went on to say that he was going to build his church on that profession of faith, the truth that Peter had spoken, he was going to build his church. Listen closely to what he says. 
I will build my church and the gates of hell will not stand against it. Jesus was not referring to a building. He's referring to an offensive force, something that's alive, something that brings about change. The Greek word that we translate church means those who have been called out. It refers to people. It never refers to a building. It always refers to people. We refer to this place as Applewood Community Church, do we not? There's even a sign out front says Applewood Community Church. Don't be fooled. This is a building. This is a building. I think we could say on the sign, Applewood Community Church building. Applewood Community Church meets here. How does, how does that fly? Probably be very expensive to get that changed on our big stone sign, wouldn't it? Okay, Cappy thinks that's a bad idea, so we're not going there. I get the confusion from people often when they find out I'm a pastor. They ask, where is your church? Now, I know that they are referring to the church building. But since I believe that the church is not a building, I have to resist being a knothead and say to them, well, you know, it's really scattered pretty much all over the western Denver metro area. I don't, I don't say that. I say, well, it's... It's in Golden, 32nd and Youngfield. The second question they ask, how big is your church? <laughs> now this time, they're talking about the people. But since we were previously talking about the building, I have to resist the temptation to say, well, it's about 6,500 square feet. <laughs> I don't do that. Aren't you pleased? And did you notice the pronouns I used? Often they ask me about my church. That scares me to death. Jesus clearly said that the church is his church. Now, I get that I'm the pastor of the people who gather as the church in this building. So, in, in some sense, it's, it's my church, the people whom I pastor. But let's be honest. Pastors who, who put too much in that idea of my church... They create problems, and, and I just don't want to create problems. So this is Applewood Community Church, the gathering, the called out ones of God, who happen to meet in this building at this corner, and we are in it together, brothers and sisters. Now, are you with me here so far? Do you, do you get what I'm driving at? This, this is more than just word confusion. I think it belies a deeper issue. In America, people go to church. In the New Testament, people are the church. In his book, Follow Me, David Platt feels the same way about the church not being a building. And he also states this, neither is it ever portrayed as a conglomeration of customized programs. Let me read you what he says about this. I love this. He says, when you turn through the pages of the New Testament, you see a very different picture of the church. Instead of a building, you see a body made up of members and a family 
made up of brothers and sisters who together have died to themselves and are living in Christ. Christians are joined together by Jesus' death, His Spirit, His Gospel, His sufferings, and His life. Biblically, a church does not consist of people who simply park and participate in programs alongside one another. Instead, the church is comprised of people who share the life of Christ with each other on a day-by-day, week-by-week basis. Don, can we put that next slide up? Here's that last line. It's just so worth seeing. Biblically, a church does not consist of people who simply park and participate in programs alongside one another. Instead, the church is comprised of people who share the life of Christ with each other on a day-by-day, week-by-week basis. My brothers and sisters, that is the core of discipleship. That is where discipleship begins. People who love Jesus sharing life in Him together. I met with a 26-year-old woman this last week who has been a friend of our family for years. She grew up in Colorado. She's moved to Texas. And I said, tell me about your church. She lit up. She said, it's small. It's real. It's intimate. People know one another. She said, Guy, I'm I'm in this this life group. And and she said, We we don't buy in to the everybody should be the same age and at the same place in life philosophy of life groups. She said, I'm in a life group with people who are younger than me. I'm in a life group with people who are older than I am. There's there's just all kinds of folks across the age spectrum. And then she said this, I get phone calls and texts from them during the week, just checking up on me and encouraging me, telling me that they're praying for me. She said, my life has been enriched and I have grown so much as a follower of Jesus as a result of being a part of that church. Wow. I thought, now that's some significant Spiritual awareness in someone who's 26 years old. I looked at her and I said, may your tribe increase. (laughs) Wow. I love that. All right. On screen, number three. Can we put that up, Don? Next one. There we go. Have you ever seen this before? For some of you, it's very familiar. Some of you might be thinking, I think I've seen that. Some of you might not have even known that Applewood has a mission statement. Would you read it with me? Applewood Community Church exists to honor God by developing fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That was pretty good. You said that like you know it. Leadership team says that before every meeting. uh, It's a powerful statement. I've chosen to use it as our map for this series on discipleship because approximately 25 years ago, this statement was prayerfully and carefully crafted as a reflection of what the leadership felt should be the defining character of Applewood Community Church. Not the building, the people, the called out ones of God that gather together in this place. 
By the way, <clears throat> do you know 25 years is a long time? Quarter century? For, for some churches, it's, it's a very long time. I read some stats this week that reinforced for me just how special it is that God has given us life together for 25 years. According to church researchers, 1% of American churches close each year. Now, what's that mean? How does that translate? It means that on average, more than 10 churches close their doors for good every day. Every day, on average, more than 10 churches. And they said that doesn't include church plants. Oftentimes, church plants close within the first year. 3,650 churches per year close. Months ago, when our leadership team began to sense that the Spirit was moving in us to a direction of being more intentional about discipleship and prayer as followers of Jesus in this 25-year-old fellowship, I knew right away that the mission statement should be our guide because it is all about discipleship. It's the stated reason for our existence as a church. That's what fully devoted followers are. They are disciples of Jesus, committed to knowing Jesus really well. Remember months ago when we talked about that first century relationship between disciple and rabbi. That's what scripture has in mind when it talks about disciple. You remember the young men who would follow the rabbi. They would request to be his follower, and if they were granted that privilege, they wanted to be, to use modern language, they wanted to be a clone of their rabbi. And so they just, they sat and poured over his teachings. They talked together about his teachings. They wanted to, to believe the same things as their rabbi. They wanted to know why they believed in the same way that the rabbi knew. They wanted to dress like their rabbi. They wanted to speak and sound like their rabbi. That's the language of disciple that comes out of the first century. That's the language of disciple that is written in the New Testament. To know Jesus so intimately that our lives become more and more and more like Him and then to make Him known to others so that they can do the same thing. So there are are four statements. Four statements that we want to to bring to life together in this series. Four truth statements. And if you're honest like me, I think we would all agree that, that these, are, these are truth statements and they're important, but it's easy for them to fall into that category of things that we know in life that are true and important, but we don't necessarily live like they're important. And, and gosh, I, hope, I don't want that to sound condemning because that's me. That's me, and, and, and perhaps you can, you can relate to that. Applewood Community Church exists 
for 25 years now. And we, we know clearly now that that's not the building, right? Here we are. Well, we'll we're going to talk more about that in, in just a minute. Applewood Community Church exists to, to honor God, of course. Of course it does. But what does that really mean? What does it look like in our lives? We'll get to that one next week. Developing fully devoted followers of Jesus. And I would suggest, again, starting with me, that, that far too many times, I think we can probably be more fully distracted than devoted in, in our following of Jesus. But I also believe that there is a remedy for that built right into our midst, and we will talk about that together. And, and by the way, what does full devotion to Jesus Christ look like in our lives? We'll, we'll get there as well. My prayerful goal for this series is that, that we will come to see discipleship as the priority in our lives. The priority in our lives. It's what Jesus has called us to. It's what God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit all work together to empower us and position us to do. To be disciples who make disciples. So, our text this morning is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, just ahead of time, we know that, that the church of Corinth was, was a mess a lot of the times. There's just no nice way to say that. It was a mess. The city of Corinth was, it was as cosmopolitan as a city could be in the first century. All kinds of, of people groups, all kinds of religious beliefs, all kinds of lifestyles that reflected those beliefs. And, and the church of Corinth struggled to, to stand in a place that was different. They reflected uh, much of those different things that you found in the city. If anyone believed in the spiritual reality of the church, the called out ones of God, and the importance of its presence in the world, it was, it was Paul. His ecclesiology is the most developed that we have in the New Testament. Paul spends a lot of time on the church and his great longing for every church. He would long this for, for our church is that, is that we would be light in the darkness and in the truest sense of the word church. Paul believed that God's people were called out of the darkness, that's Colossians language, into the light of God. Walking, living as children of light, that's Ephesians language. Moving from a place, remember that's what the church is, called out ones, from one place to another. Moving from a place, a life of self-concern and focus, to living as followers of Jesus. Children of God. All right, let's stand together and read from 1 Corinthians 12. <clears throat> Here we go. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, 
so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. My sisters and my brothers, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. All right, Don, let's put up that next screen. These are the first and the last statements that Paul made in the text that we just read. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. The body of Christ is, is Paul's reference point there. In fact, this is the ending statement, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. So I want you to ask a neighbor, what do these words communicate about our life together as Applewood Community Church? Not the building, the people. See what your neighbor thinks. You're a little quiet. <laughs> By the way, where is everybody again? You all know something that I don't? Okay, let's talk about it. Who wants to start us off? What do you think? What's the significance of these words for our life together at Apple Community Church? Jim? Don't be seeing that, Jim Green. We're Americans. <laughs> Don't go there. <laughs> right on, brother. Man. Yeah. We are most Christ-like together. Let that one rock your world a little bit. What else? What else? <laughs> Such a good point. By the way, see Justin if you're really jealous. <laughs> Say more about that in a minute. Thank you. Yeah. What else? Monica? <laughs> we're kind of stuck here. Wow. You mean we won? <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Good word. Good word. Karen? Ah, you mean we're different folks? Yes, there are. Yes. Remember that from Karen Veers. Do your ear part or your nose part. <laughs> Thank you. Good stuff. Or, or perhaps, well, yeah, we, more on that later. Excellent. Let, we, we've got it. I'm looking at the clock. Let's, good stuff. Good stuff. Let's, let's, uh, let's move to, to what's next here. Each. 
Each Sunday in this series, I'm, I'm asking someone to briefly share a bit of their life experience with discipleship. And so this morning, Dr. Richmond is going to, chairman of our church, chair of the leadership team, going to share just a, uh, a little bit of his life experience with discipleship. Lee? So shortly after um, Applewood became a church, a young man walked up to me uh, in church and asked if I would disciple him. Uh, he was soon to be engaged. And uh, he wanted advice on how to become a godly man and a godly husband. We walked around Crown Hill Park almost every Wednesday for almost two years. And we talked about everything from faith to sex. He and his wife lived with us for a period after their marriage. And since then, uh, we have almost always had someone living with us. Uh, we affectionately refer to them as our squatters. And it's given us the opportunity to mentor them uh, in godly living and relationships, obviously some more successfully than others. Fortunately, the results are up to the Holy Spirit and not us. Uh, discipleship is a two-way dynamic, so we've also been on the receiving end of mentoring as well. Our men's group has been foundational uh, in my walk with God. For example, Steve Dratz challenged us with uh, 22 questions that the members of John Wesley's Holiness Club ask themselves. They ask themselves these questions every day. We ask them every week at the meeting. And the questions were things like, uh, and each one of us would answer uh, the questions. Uh, the questions were, am I consciously or unconsciously creating the impression that I'm better than I really am? Uh, uh, in other words, am I a hypocrite? Or am I self-conscious, self-pitying, or self-justifying? Or <clears throat> when was the last time I shared my life in Christ with someone else? Uh, or uh, is there anyone whom I fear, dislike, disown, criticize, hold resentment toward, or disregard? If so, what am I doing about that? Or is Christ real to me? So answering those questions in front of the other men was often uncomfortable uh, and always convicting. It was a clear example of iron sharpening iron. Also, Jill and I have shared our lives with some members of our small group for almost 40 years. In addition to reading innumerable books on what it means to live a life in Christ, we have been there for each other through almost every imaginable triumph and hardship that families experience. I can't think of how any of us could have done it without the love, the support, the encouragement, and even the admonition of our life group. It's been an amazing example of life in the body of Christ, and I thank God for their presence in our lives and Cappy are part of that group and are part of that group. Lastly, um, I need to add that as an introvert, when I was younger, I would never have had the gumption to approach someone and ask them to disciple me or for me to approach someone else and offer to mentor them. Let me encourage, let me inspire you to do that, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or in a group. 
Words have the power um, to let us see things uh, that we otherwise wouldn't see or understand. So here's what I'd like you to see. Um, the 1 Corinthians 12 passage, the words that we read just a moment ago, show us that every one of us has the gifts that might guide or uplift another person here at Applewood and help them grow closer to and deeper with Christ. We just have to say, here I am, Lord. Send me. Thank you. Uh, I hope what you hear in that is relationships. Discipleship happens between people. It's all about relationships. The obvious one is, is a relationship to Jesus. Without that, we're not followers. We're not disciples. That is the primary relationship. But what, what, what our text, I think, so clearly reminds us of is that the relationship to one another is right up there in terms of importance. I really think so. I think far too often we fail to understand the importance of, of Jesus' call of multiple disciples. Called those original disciples. Called them individually. And he called them together. Discipleship really happens best when we, when we do it with others because if we're not doing it with others, then we're really not discipling. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body with Christ. In fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. So, let me just offer very quickly four, I think, lessons that, that we know, more than likely we know from this text. But I think it's important when we consider Applewood Community Church and its existence. What, what does that mean? Well, one, lesson one is that Applewood Community Church belongs to God. The church is God's idea. He is the one who has called it into existence and the one who gives life. And, and I'm not kidding when I tell you that I, I really am uncomfortable with the language of my church in terms of pastor, leadership, authority. I, I don't like it. It's not my church, nor is it your church. It's Jesus' church. And, and, and we do well to remind one another of that. It's Jesus' church. It's important to remember that because we bring our biases to the table in all kinds of ways. Churches have battles, as you know, over all kinds of things. What they should do and not do. Music they should sing and not sing. Leadership that they should have or not. The opinions that we have. This group of called out people belongs to God. And because we are His, our highest concern should be His glory and His will in our lives as individuals and as a group. And we'll, we'll jump to that one next week. But that's lesson one, obvious. Applewood belongs to God. Lesson number two, everyone who calls Applewood Community Church their home, and Doug, this goes back to your point, is here by God's design. 
God has used mysteriously so. Perhaps more in more ways than we even recognize in our lives. He's used circumstances and people and the stuff of our lives to bring us together. And, and when we arrived, we all carried bags. And we bring our baggage into this place. Because we tend to take our baggage with us wherever we go. That's not a bad thing. That can be an amazing thing when we're willing to own that and willing to talk honestly with one another about our bags. Does that make sense? Your choice to fellowship in this church building with the people who are really the church, young, old, everywhere in between, that is God's desire for you. You're not here by accident. No one is ever going to hear a voice from heaven say, hey, what are you doing there? We're here by God's design. He is, he is working us together. Are we, his people, aware of the importance of that? Lesson number three, because we're not here by accident, I think that means that each one of us has an important part to play. It's back to a little bit of what Matt was referring to. Paul's language to the Corinthians is, is not bounded by age or experience. In fact, as I mentioned earlier, he's writing to a very diverse group. And he wants them to know that they have a part. One of the myths of discipleship is that a person has to be wise and aged to be a disciple. No. A person has to know and love Jesus. That's the requirement. Follow Jesus. A person has to love Jesus, has to follow Jesus, willing to offer themselves to others in ways that encourage and bless them and ultimately points to Jesus. Lee mentioned some things like that. Discipleship is not about us and what we know or don't know. That doesn't mean that as individuals we're not seeking to grow and to know more. Of course we are. But until that happens with someone else, and we share that with someone else in some format, and they share it with us, then we're not being disciples. We're just being people who are learning more about Jesus. And what's the point of that if we're not sharing that with someone else, whoever God brings into our lives? So, it's about us recognizing we have a part and something to offer to others in this, this gathering of called out ones that we refer to as Applewood Community Church. And lesson four, crazy as this sounds, but I think this is so important. The health of this body is dependent upon all of us playing our parts. The noses and the ears and, and the feet toes and fingers and arms and legs and kneecaps. Kneecaps. Hadn't thought of that one, had you? So, two questions that I want to leave you with this morning. What is your part? You who are a part of this body of Christ we call Applewood Community Church. 
what is your part? And what are you doing to find out what is your part? You will, you will find that out as you begin to, to live into life with others, as you purposefully enter into conversations and, and relationships here in the body of Applewood Community Church. David Platt says this, being part of a church means realizing that we are responsible for helping the brothers and sisters around us to grow as disciples of Jesus. In the same way, they are responsible for helping us. We desperately need each other in the daily fight to follow Christ. I'm going to invite you to stand up. Praise team, come on up. Everyone else stand. We've done this before, but we need to do it again because it's important. I want you to take just a couple of moments here. Look around. You have permission to stare at one another. Your mother always told you don't stare. It's okay. Look at the faces, and, and as you look at faces, identify those that you know well. And ask yourself, how do I know them well? Why do I know them well? Maybe even a question of, you know, as well as I know them, do I know their story? Do I know how they became a follower of Jesus? And then how about those that you see this morning, even though we're a smaller crowd, there might be someone in here you go, oh, I don't know them. Why is that? Why don't you know them? And, and how could you know them a little bit better? Brothers and sisters, here's what it comes down to, I think. Bottom line. Discipleship is ultimately about loving and following after Jesus, learning and growing and becoming more and more like him in order to share his life with others. And that's a matter of every day. Surrender to the Holy Spirit. Something to the effect of, Holy Spirit of God, I know that you are the one who leads me through my life with Christ. Some days, I forget that. And there are times when I don't live like that. But my heart's desire is to be led by your Spirit, to be surrendered to those things that the Spirit is calling out to me. And, and let's be honest, we, we might fear things that require huge time commitment or expense, or I don't know what God might bring along. But here's what I do know, is that oftentimes fearing the large things keeps us from hearing the voice of the Spirit in the small things. You know? That phone call, that text, that email, that introduction for the first time. Hi, I know we've both been here for 15 years, but... <laughs> I'd like to know you better. 
Could we do that sometime? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we clearly know that this is your church, your gathered people. We know too that the building is yours. Uh, You let us make mortgage payments and pay the utilities, but it belongs to you and our heart's desire from the beginning of our life here in this location is that we would be a church building for the people and that we would fill this building with people who are followers and lovers of Jesus or in the process of becoming that. Would you guide us, Holy Spirit, in this series on discipleship? Help us to to understand what is important and to forget what is not. May we become more and more those fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ developed intentionally for the glory of God because that is who we say we are in this location. In Jesus' name, amen.